Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do with Status Post Adulting. Hey Status Post Adulting fam, this is Sammy and Michelle and you're listening to the 53rd episode of Status Post Adulting and we are going to be talking about how to be safe online with Nikhil. Yeah Sammy, I'm so excited. Nikhil is a cybersecurity enthusiast who has worked at companies like Cisco and their subsidiary Duo, a popular two-factor authentication application. And with the new year, Sammy and I have been hearing more about widespread cybersecurity threats, as well as frauds that we and our community have encountered. And so we're so excited to bring on an expert to help walk through the most common issues in cybersecurity and what you can do to prevent it. Welcome, Nikhil, to Status Post Adulting. Hey, folks. Thank you so much for having me. As Sam and Michelle said, my name is Nick Hill. Really excited to share some more cybersecurity best practices. And hopefully at the end of this all, you know, we're all a little bit more safe online. Before I get into like the weeds here, what I'd really like to do is just kick off with a funny story on, you know, how important it is to be cybersecurity aware, but also, you know, what it's like to be without, without like an internet connection or without your phone. So this past New Year's, I was in Miami for the you know, University of Michigan National uh, Championship football game. And of course, I had a little bit of a too good of a time and <laughs> managed to lose my phone in an Uber. You know, I'm sure we've all done that or kind of had that experience without internet connectivity. But it is quite a jarring experience when it's forced upon you or you've had to deal with it for a while. And I, and I would just say being able to be safe online and like, Having a lot of these things squared away made that experience a lot more bearable. And basically, I could sleep at night. You know, otherwise, you lose your phone. It's like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been there before. I've run into many an issue with my iPhone where I've had to even just to get to the like Verizon store or the Apple store by myself, I had to like look up the instructions and the map ahead of time. And I wasn't able to see when the trains were coming and all those little things. I wasn't able to call an Uber. And so every little thing we're like connected to and like, obviously, it's such a luxury to have, but you don't realize like how dependent we are on things like our phone and just like internet access in general. Totally, totally. What I think is that the key to personal security and security online is really just do a little bit of preparation. Be aware that more malicious things can happen, you know, when you're on the internet. But by taking a lot of basic like precautions, you can actually protect yourself pretty well and have a really more of a like a safer, better online visual experience. Yeah, Nikhil. And to get started, we wanted to talk about how to start thinking about the scope of the most common cybersecurity issues. As to like, what are the main security issues, if you will? There's actually a great visual, which I think you guys will post in the episode notes, but it's actually a pyramid, which basically documents the most critical security issues that companies and peoples primarily face. It's a pyramid because the top of the pyramid 
which is what you hear the most about on the news, you know, like big breach happened or big targeted attack happened, is actually not the most common. Really the best and most common security issues that happen are kind of three things. Number one is phishing. Number two is unpatched systems or like, you know, basically not updating your OS. And number three, which is probably the one that we'll spend most time talking about, is uh, password reuse. Reusing your passwords, which is a big reason why sometimes malicious issues happen, you know, your account gets hacked. A lot of the time it's because your password was stolen. And, you know, we can talk a little bit more about what situations caused that to occur. Yeah, I really like this pyramid that you show because you're right, like it's the sensational stuff, like when that gas company got hacked last year and everyone couldn't get gas and like the Carolinas, those type of things are the things that we're most concerned about, I think, or we think is the most, we're most susceptible or what we'll be victims of, when in reality, it's actually the little stuff that's so common. Yeah. And so I think it'll be really helpful to walk through some of those things and see like actually what the impact is with those things. Sure thing. I think the first thing we should talk about is phishing, which what is it? Phishing, not with an F, with a PH, like the <laughs> band. <laughs> totally. We ourselves have been victim to phishing scams. Yeah, no, and I think the best way to help educate the majority of the people about this in your community and more broadly is share that this happened to you and what you did to kind of resolve it or, you know, address it. The reality is, is that things like phishing happen all the time. And really, it comes down to awareness. So the way that I like to talk about phishing is you might remember back in the day, in the early days of the internet, that the Nigerian prince used to email you <laughs> in, in your misspelled letters and really poor grammar that if you mailed them a check for $1,000, a month later, he'd give you a million dollars. That's literally the start of, of what phishing attacks were. But of course, today, they're a lot more intelligent. Essentially, a phishing attack is when some malicious actor sends you an email or contacts you in some way. And the purpose is to actually give up some personal information. Typically, they're looking to try to capture your username and password, or they're trying to get some personal identifiable information that they haven't been able to uncover easily otherwise. So a good example would be like your mother's maiden name, which is like a very common mm -hmm. you know, security question. The way that they do it is actually quite interesting. What we see a lot in companies and even people is sending an email which looks very much like your bank website or It'll ask something about someone that you know or you think you know will send you a request to purchase a gift card on their behalf. <laughs> Definitely seen that. Yeah. And what ends up happening is people want to be helpful. They click the link in the email or they go through with it. And what's actually happening is the email domain uh, or URL that was sent is not actually from the actual bank. And as soon as you entered your credentials into their you know, malicious website, there you go. Now the attacker has her. Mm. So it could be like, it could even be something where they're like, oh, like log into this and make a username and password. And if you use the same password for everything, that's information for them. Yes, exactly. It's a very common way that this occurs. Frankly, the best way to protect yourself from phishing, the challenge is that it's really on you as a user to take a little bit of extra steps. Take an extra moment when you get an email in general and check the sender bar, right? Make sure that it looks reputable. The other thing you can do is actually read the email a little bit more closely. 
look out for things like spelling errors, grammar issues. These are commonly where these phishing emails kind of mess up and you can determine if they're actually malicious. And then of course, and I'm sure you all have heard this, set up multi-factor authentication <laughs> on all of your critical accounts, especially your bank accounts, your primary email. That's a surefire way to stop the negative impacts of phishing because you know, you essentially won't be able to log in to the right account mm. and you'll know immediately if you're logging into something malicious because you didn't get a push notification too. Okay. So when we say multi-factor authentication, that's like when they ask to like get your phone number so they can text you after you put in your username and password or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. So sometimes like for me, I'm like, oh, multi-factor. It's like one factor is good enough. It's kind of <laughs> time consuming. I know. But now I'm seeing like, oh, no, it's actually like on everything that's valuable. I should have multi-factor authentication, right? Absolutely. So that anything that's important, I know they're going to ask me twice to get in. Exactly. And, and I would say we understand the security community at, at large is aware that this adds friction to that experience. But the way that I always like to present this to my friends and family and anyone who will listen, put it on your <laughs> most important thing. So in my in my mind, you know, in the list of importance, it's like start with your primary email, right? The one that you use the most, because that's like almost like the keys to the kingdom in a way, because you probably use that for your bank accounts, and your brokerage accounts and, you know, your insurance and maybe your car insurance and all of those type of critical things that you have in your life. So start by protecting your primary email, look at your financial services next, and then anything that's related to like retirement accounts, healthcare, all of those things that, you know, in my mind, I call them like big kid things, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. whatever you would categorize as I'm an adult now, you know, start putting. It there. If it would suck that somebody hacked into that account, <laughs> you should put two-factor ah, authentication onto it. That's the even better. That's actually, I'm going to steal that one, Michelle. <laughs> exactly. If it would suck <laughs> to get hacked, put, put two of it on it. Exactly. No, I think it's true because there's, I mean, when I was going through, like I was trying to change all my passwords, like there's some stupid websites that have my password, which sucks, like Kylie Jenner lip kits because it doesn't even let you change it. But at the same time, there are some things like we've recently seen people have their Instagram hacked. And if you have a lot of followers, if you have a sponsorship, if that is your business or if that's your, I mean, that's your public image as well, right? Like if that gets hacked, that sucks. And so I think that having multi-factor authentication on those type of things is also really important. Yep. And it's funny because we were talking about phishing and we ran into a phishing issue just a couple of days ago. Yes. Yeah. So I had received an email from the United States Postal Service or at least what I thought was the United <laughs> States Postal Service. And I was like, that's odd, you know, I have been ordering a lot of things because we're moving, but I don't remember ordering any packages that are still pending. So I did click the link. So I don't know if that already caused any problems, but I did click the link and I went to the site and I was like, I was just like feeling a little fishy about it, no pun intended, but I couldn't figure out what was odd about the site, to be honest. And I, I like Googled USPS and I was like, these look almost exactly the same. Let me call my wise sister over here, Michelle. Yeah. her take a look <laughs> sammy like called me over well sammy was like can you look at this i got an email about from usps about a package and i was like well are you expecting a package and she's like no and i was like okay it's probably a scam then and i was like okay let's take a look at it and she already had the website pulled up yeah yeah and i will say at that point i was like why did you click this which is not good you shouldn't shame people but then i looked at both the email which was not a legitimate email by any stands but also i looked at 
in the URL where you would see, you know, USPS.com or whatever. I looked around to Sammy. I was like, this says sellhomesfast.org <laughs> or something along those lines. I was like, this is a scam. Please get out of it ASAP. At the bottom of the website, it said, oh, we need your credit card information to like confirm something or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. clearly that was the intention. But even Sammy, who knew that she should be wary of it, clicked it and it did. It looked 100% same logo. Everything about the website itself looked exactly the same, which yeah. I don't think people realize how easy it is to actually just create a website that looks the same as, say, like Facebook. Totally. Yeah. And these people are getting better at spelling, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's such a perfect example. You know, the only thing that I would add there is I would say you did everything perfectly. And after that, too, I would recommend in that situation, change your password for your USPS account just to be safe. Mm. And then the other thing is like what you what you did, Sammy, which is trust your gut, right? Like you felt something was off. So you called a friend, right? Or in this case, your sister. If you don't have that, what's really great is most of the companies and like applications out there now have dedicated security and trust organization. And if you're ever concerned, send them a quick email saying, hey, received this. I wasn't sure it was real. Can you, can you verify? And this is something that these companies are taking really seriously and you will get a response. And this is the kind of information that we on the security side are looking for to help figure out how to combat it better as well. Yeah, and do not email the same person that emailed you. Yes. <laughs> Go Google, find the proper company, yeah. Yeah. and then email them. Because I've seen that a lot too, where I'll get like a notification from quote-unquote mm -hmm. Chase Bank, yep. and they'll say, oh, you know, your money's being stolen, which obviously in that moment, I do want to confirm whether or not this is fake. Yep. And so then I'll go on my credit, like I'll go on my, my credit card and find the phone number and call them and yeah. see what's going on. And yeah, usually it's nothing going on. I mean, that is how when I have had fraudulent charges, mm -hmm. Chase has texted me and they have my phone number and I do want to be able to be able to access it. Yeah. But it is good, even if you think it's real, to be able to go and double check it. Totally. Totally. I do. I have a question, mm -hmm. which I don't know if this is based on anything, but I've always worried that once I've clicked something... Mm. that they can track and see what I'm doing on the mm. website. I'm like, I'm always worried that even yeah. if I, like, let's say Sammy had gone to USPS, but then she went to the real website. I'm like, oh, but can they see what you're doing? I don't know if that's crazy, but is that a legitimate concern or? That's a great question. By and large, it really depends. It used to be when you went to these websites, they had a lot more ability to track you in terms of identifying your IP location based on your, your IP address. Mm -hmm. Many of the browsers, so like Safari, Chrome, Mozilla, any of the common ones, this has been like a very, like consumers have demanded this of the browser creators. And if you go into your browser settings, you can actually turn these things off, right? So you can turn the location setting off so that no website can get your location. Mm -hmm. And they've actually got really good ways of giving you the tools to determine what you want to share. I would say try not to click on random websites. <laughs> if it does happen, I wouldn't worry about it. The key is that you haven't input your password information or anything sensitive. Okay. That's, that's what's critical. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's also important if, if it's your work email mm -hmm. or your school email or something like that to report it. Because I've seen situations where a coworker has gotten an email 
And then all of a sudden, everybody got the same phishing email because they clicked something on it. Yep. I mean, I've gotten those gift cards where my SVP is emailing me saying like, hey, Michelle, I want you to do a favor. And I'm like, oh my gosh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> me? Yeah. I've been doing <laughs> gift Not cards. I've nothing for you. <laughs> yeah. It's never like a random person. It's my, my boss, my right. boss's boss. It's people, the CEO. Like you said, these people do their research and they know how to personalize it to some extent. Yep. I know people get WhatsApp messages now from like their CEO. Mm. And like the technology is only getting better. If you're interested in this area, there's so much you can you can look into it. But it's surprisingly very easy to do to engineer that type of attack. And so what they're doing in that case is they're appealing to authority, right? So mm. because they're an authority figure in your life, are going to, you know, defer to them, right? Even if the request is a little bit out of touch. <laughs> and the way that they do it is so crazy, right? Anyone who's a CEO or like a director at a company will write that on their LinkedIn profile. This is how they like crawl for this information where they just go to a LinkedIn and say like XYZ company, who are the leadership there? And then boom, your emails might be on an email list somewhere. And that's why not only you, but like, 50 of your coworkers get the same email in like a 10 minute period. Yeah, <laughs> they've done their research for sure. So it sounds like phishing is referring to like these mass emails or mass texts mm -hmm. that are trying to just have some of these people input their data. The next one in the pyramid, like the next tier down was unpatching systems. Yes. What is that talking about? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And so the other the other really basic, simple way to make sure that you are protecting yourself is make sure that your operating systems for all your phones are up to date. So whenever you get that notification to update your Chrome, update your iPhone, update your Mac, just go ahead and do it. I know it's annoying and interrupts your workflow, but these companies are spending a lot of time and resources identifying new security threats and improving usability and features. The sooner you can get to the latest versions of these software on your devices is like a really good way to make sure that you are achieving a good security baseline. There's like an 80-20 rule, right, that you, you'll have heard of. Talked about it. Check out our episode. That's what's adulting. We'll connect it. We'll link to it in the show We'll notes. link to it in case you haven't listened to it yet. Nice. But basically, it's such a small thing you can do, but it guarantees in a way that whatever's out there that's known as an issue is not something that you'll be vulnerable. Mm, and that's interesting because updating my software, I'm like, you know, I'm fine with the current software. I don't need any new fancy gadgets. Yeah. And then you hear all those rumors like, oh, I updated my phone and then it immediately died, <laughs> which I guess, you know, now that I reflect as a medical provider, it's just like those people who are like, I got the vaccine and then something happened. I'm like, something could happen at any time. Yeah. You just happen to get the vaccine. Yes. So, yeah. So I'm definitely on the guilty list of like being lazy to update my software. And I didn't even think of security as something that would be part of that like upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just it's very challenging. And so. What I recommend to my parents, for example, is anywhere that you can automate this, check that box. So for your iPhone, go into the settings and turn on auto updates. For your Mac, turn on auto updates because what it will do is while you're sleeping, it'll update overnight. So you won't actually feel it, but you're much better protected that way. It's an easy kind of one-click thing you can do. Just improve your kind of security posture. That is, that's a good point, because I actually thought I was being safer by not letting them automatically upgrade, because I'm like, 
if they can automatically do things, who knows what they're doing? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a separate issue that you have to deal with. <laughs> but now I see like, okay, by not automatically updating, then sometimes I even miss these notifications that ask me to upgrade. And then I'm sure like I'm behind on the software that I should be using. The other thing that I would add is in the worst case, right? Let's say that you do get your identity stolen or you do get hacked. Some important things to do if you haven't done them now already is go ahead and enable iCloud backup in your phone, enable that find my iPhone functionality. So like a lot of solutions to these issues are already available, but sometimes they require you to opt in. Spend the time to do it because if and when the, you know, you do lose your phone like I did, you don't want to be in the situation where my find my iPhone wasn't enabled and now you have no chance of recovering it. Yeah. So, you know, take like a couple minutes it does and get those things squared away. And then the last thing I'll add, and this is a little bit not something you want to think about all the time, but as more and more of your finances and key things in your life mm. are inevitably digital, I would say look into something. There's a new industry around this called digital estate planning. You know, no one actually wants to think about this. But for example, right, if the worst were to happen, how do your close loved ones or family members get access to your passwords? How do you want your digital life that you have today to be presented once you're not around? Spending a little time thinking about that, I would say is worth it just so that the people around you know how you intend to be living on, you know, in the metaverse after you're gone. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, I think the extreme example to that is those like stories of people who die and then they had their like Bitcoin password and they had like hundreds of thousand dollars and it's, you know, impossible, obviously, to hack for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. And they just like didn't tell anybody where it was or, you know, they weren't expecting to pass away. Yeah. But I think even on a smaller scale, like just your passwords to your your email, your banks, a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people in a household, one person is doing the finances. And so if people don't know your password, you don't get 10 guesses. Yes. Chase Bank is going to let someone sit there and just go through every password they think you're using, Mm -hmm. not a reason to use the same password. Yes. But at the same time, it is good to be conscientious of the fact that there's a lot of things people don't have access for. Even things like Facebook will let you set up. I think it's something along the lines of like, you can choose somebody to have access to your Facebook if something happens to you. I forget how it is, but you can like find it in the settings. I think they call it a beneficiary, right? Like you can set up a beneficiary and and now they have a dedicated person who can basically claim ownership in the case that you know you're not able you know it's not even crazy scenarios right like i i just got back from a month-long trip to india and i went to you know my family's town i didn't have internet access for like a week you know and so yeah (laughs) in the off chance that you need something to happen in that time it's nice to be able to have a backup solution Yeah, yeah i totally agree and I think, you know, back to what you were saying about making sure your software and stuff is upgraded too. I don't think I realized until I started working for software companies that a lot of times, especially if it's like your phone or an application that you're using, they don't just fix bugs and push it out to everybody. Like they can't just automatically fix things for everybody. They need you to upgrade it so that they can actually apply the fixes to the bug that you mentioned. Like you were saying, which I, I definitely didn't appreciate that. I think sometimes I do think of technology companies as magical in some ways. And I'm like, oh, well, if they found a bug, then they can just boom, boom, boom. It's fixed for everybody. And like in reality, they don't have that access. So even if you're not doing those, like a lot of the minor ones are like bug fixes. 
And I think they try to make it seem sexy. They're like, oh, we have these new features and stuff. But really, I think they're one of their biggest goals is like, uh, and also your password has been exposed. So (laughs) we need you to implement these new things that we found. Totally. Which actually, I mean, that's a perfect segue, right? To I would, what I consider is the biggest and most common issue, which is reusing your password. And I know that we are all very guilty of it, but what comes up time and time again, and it has happened since the beginning of the internet, is people reuse their passwords because it's easy. The passwords aren't very strong. They're usually a combination of your name, yeah, name your past, yeah, close family members, your birthday. favorite deity. <laughs> Your favorite what? Deity. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I literally had had this conversation with my family where I was like, you are not the only person that thought putting God in your password was a good idea. Yeah. It's actually, you shared with me the list of the most common password. And it's like, it's like, you know, people's favorite gods. It's like God, yeah. Messi, and Ronaldo are like the top password names. No, and it's even better. It's, sometimes they're so funny. It's like God, one, two, three, four, five, six. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you think you're being clever because it's not. <laughs> There's actually, and you know, this is getting really into the weeds, but you can look up on the internet. You can literally look up like the most common passwords, and very commonly, you'll be able to hack a lot of people's like Facebook accounts and things like that because it's just so common. And I, I, I feel like the common quote unquote passwords. Obviously, you know, there's password and one, two, three, four. People's quote unquote common passwords have also gotten more complicated in the same exact way. Like you said, like God, one, two, three, four. And I've done this before, too, where I'm like, oh, my password is my name, but also with my birthday. Oh, I'm so creative now. (laughs) And then you look back and you're like, this is the dumbest password. If someone is hacking my account, they probably have my name accessible somewhere. No, and it's not just your name. I mean, that's the interesting thing when you start to think about it is they have your name. But then because of social media like Facebook and LinkedIn, you can very easily figure out what your birthday is Mm -hmm. or what year or what school you went to. And then... Now you have like a targeted targeted list of information that you can kind of mix and match. I mean, there's there's libraries and computer programs which will just run through this information for you. Yeah. And I think what people don't realize is that, sure, you're using your password for your bank. And a lot of big banks are very invested in making sure that their security is, they're thinking decades in advance when it comes to security. But other websites are not. And if you're using the same password for your bank, as well as Kylie Jenner Lipkits, yes. when her website gets hacked, they have your password. And that's how they and they know that they can take that information. They're not trying to buy 100 Lipkits. Yes. They're trying to <laughs> go and use that information on your private accounts. And if they if you're using the same password, and they're trying five different accounts, they're going to get it right eventually. Michelle and I wanted to take a quick break to thank all of you who have been supporting our partner, Anna Luisa. That's A-N-A space L-U-I-S-A. Yes, Sammy. And so many people reached out to us after last week's episode to tell us how much of a fan they are of Anna Luisa. I have to agree, Michelle. I love how classic the necklaces look, especially the two that I picked out. As you know, I am a very minimalist and I love that these pieces are timeless and they go with everything. And I also love how the gold matches the gold tones in my skin, and it also matches my gold highlight. It's so perfect. What I love, Sammy, is Ana Luisa is an environmentally conscious jewelry brand. Ana Luisa uses recycled material whenever possible and is 100% 
carbon and water neutral from beginning to end. I also love how transparent they are on their website about their sustainability framework. Me too, Michelle. And they also have fair prices starting at $39. And with our code STATUSPOSTADULTING, no spaces, you get an additional 10% off. So if you've been eyeing some jewelry for yourself or for your boo, click the link in our show notes to go to Ana Luisa's website. That's A-N-A space L-U-I-S-A. And support them and us by using the code STATUSPOSTADULTING for 10% off your purchase. And so I think, what can you do about it? And, you know, Michelle, I know I'm one of the people who managed to convince you to do this. I'd love to hear about your experience with a password manager. Yeah. Nikhil and I had a full-on conversation about this a year ago when I admitted that I was using the same, like, three passwords for everything, right? Like, I had my quote-unquote secure password. And really, all it is is I'm just lazy and I end up using the same password for years. At the same time, like I was working at a software company, I was talking to different companies about their infrastructure. And I was telling you, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how poorly secured everybody's applications are because it costs a lot of money. It's very difficult to do. People want to make sure they trust the people, like the third party applications that they're using. And so it's a lot of times security is the last thing that these companies are thinking about. And so we were having this conversation and you were like, you need to use a password manager. And I was like, no, I don't want to invest in it. I don't think I need it. I was just lazy, honestly. I don't know why I was so determined to not do it. And you were so impassioned about it. You were like, no, like, let me show you the most common passwords. Let me show you like how easy it is for someone to get into your accounts. And on top of that, like you said, this is actually the big reason why people get their information stolen. It's not because somebody in Russia targeted your camera and then stole your information. Like it's actually so much more easy. Yeah. It's so much easier than that. And you even sent me like I think a $25 gift card <laughs> to try out a password manager. And I've been using it and I love it. It's actually easier because I only have to remember one password. I use one password. And it's so easy because I just log into that and then they're able to go and like basically store all of my information so that every time I use a website, I have a nice complicated password that I don't even know. Like it's actually made my life a lot easier. And I renewed my subscription this year because I was like, boom, this is all I need. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. So Michelle has been trying to convince me to do this. And I admit that I have been reluctant because I felt like my passwords were secure. No, I don't use the same password for everything, but I do use like the same three or four. Same rotation, yeah. (laughs) Same rotation, yeah. And they are the same rotation, but like seeing the pyramid that you sent us and seeing that like this password reuse category is like the second largest category, it's, it's making me reconsider things, especially, you know, like I would never want someone to break into my finances and FDIC coverage is only up to a certain amount. So you want to make sure you're covered. This is your hard-earned dollars. You don't want people to break into this. So I am reconsidering this password manager. Like I know Michelle uses one password and there's like a different password for everything. We Mm -hmm. use it for status post adulting, a lot of our things. And I'm always like, can you send me the password? Sammy's always like, what's the password? And I'm like, it's not safe on your computer. And I have to go through like a 10 digit because she doesn't have my one password stuff on her laptop, you know. (laughs) But that's a very specific situation where... It's inconvenient, Mm -hmm. and it's only because she didn't use the family account that I got her so that we could have shared passwords. Yes, but I am now reconsidering this. I guess my fear was that what if someone hacks into my one password? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And so this is where the password manager solutions are really good. What they do to deal with that exact scenario is your ability to access your password manager interface is limited by making sure that you have the device that you set it up on or another device that you chose. So one password cloud service knows and can recognize that I'm logging in with my MacBook or my iPhone. And you can only use those devices to log in to one password. If you're trying to log in with the new device, you need to have something called a seed phrase, which they give you the first time that you create a one password account. And so basically, as long as either A, you're logging in with the device or the devices that you set one password up with, or B, you have that seed phrase, it's math mathematically and cryptographically impossible to log into one password. Mm. This is how security works kind of across the board. And so it is the most secure way without that information or without your device, no one can really log in. Let's say someone takes your phone or something. Can mm -hmm. you make it so that 1Password can no longer log in with your phone yeah. or the password manager? You can. And on top of that, too, this is, again, where like having those backup and things is really important. Having like a passcode set up on your iPhone is really important because there's multiple layers of security. Let's say that you lost your phone. The attacker would have to know your phone passcode which is usually six digits, which would take a long time to break. Then they need to know your 1Password password as well before they could log in. And mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, in that much time, you've already backed up your iPhone, you've already remote wiped it if that's what you need to do. And so again, it's all about making sure that these like kind of basic things are, are ready to go. Again, doing the little things to protect yourself make it a lot easier. So what you're saying is my phone passcode should not be my birthday as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say, you know, it might be worth you know, mixing it up a little bit. And the last thing I'll say, too, about having a password manager or the importance of using different passwords. I've like spoken to companies where their business is keeping people's applications and stuff secure. And it's night and day what they invest in both money, talent, time, thought to keep their application secure. Once again, 1Password is spending a lot more time thinking about security than DoorDash, period. You know, and that's why these applications that blow up end up having security breaches because they're focused on just getting their application off the ground. They blow up, they end up being huge, and then they have a security breach because they didn't think about it way in the beginning. So yes, I think it's always good to be conscientious, that if you use something like a password manager, of course, someone could figure out that password. But it's way more likely that if you're using the same three passwords for something, that you're using it on a website that hasn't even thought about security. And you're going to be so much more vulnerable because of it. Exactly. I mean, that, Michelle, that point really hits at home. The best thing you can do is have a different password for every website that you log into. And like you kind of said earlier, what a password manager allows you to do is do that for all of your accounts really easily. You know, what I have found the first couple of times, it can be annoying. But once you go through the process of changing the passwords for all of your accounts, every subsequent time you log in, it becomes so much easier because you don't even think about it. Yes. One, one thing that I'll add too 
is things like Face ID and Touch ID, biometric-based authenticators, are becoming more and more common. I would suggest wherever you have the opportunity to log in with Face ID and Touch ID, you should go for it. Right. Sometimes I've found that people can be hesitant and nervous about that. Those technologies are more like cryptographically secure and they are unique to you. And so I know it's very common to see the YouTube video of like the baby, like someone's bringing up the baby to log into your spouse's account and stuff like that. But overall, using those biometric authenticators are actually much more secure than having a username and password as well. That's good to know. I'm always never sure which one is the better option. Mm -hmm. I would say if you can use like Face ID or Touch ID, uh, I would use it. So I see in the pyramid, the largest and last category or tier is abuse. And I was wondering, what is abuse? I have no idea. Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe it'll help to share a little bit of the context of that pyramid. So the the person who created this pyramid, it was actually at a security conference presentation called Black Hat in 2017. The speaker's name was a gentleman named Alex Stamos. He used to be the chief information security officer at Facebook when the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal, you can say, happened. And then subsequently, he was the CISO of uh, Yahoo when they had their big email. You know, all the Yahoo.com emails were hacked and all the passwords and data were leaked. And so he had a really big hand in helping those companies deal with these big security incidents. And so that abuse category, what he determines or how, how he explains it is using a website or application in a way that the founders or the developers did not intend for you to use it. Mm. You know, the example that you gave earlier is a great one. The people who created UPS, UPS's website didn't think that people were going to copy it and use the track your package form to try to collect your information. Mm. And so abuse is basically this catch-all section, which refers to any way the application is being used in a way that it wasn't intended to. For him in that time, the context was obviously Facebook and like no one at Facebook could have thought that ads are going to be used for like manipulation and political things the way that they were. The purpose of thinking about it in that way is it allow you allows you to focus on solving and coming up with solutions in a targeted way. And that's really what that abuse abuse factor refers to. That's really interesting. I remember I was reading a book once called Technopoly. And the author talks about how since really the beginning of time, there was this question of any tool that you create, there is the good that can come out of it and the bad. And we always need to think about the good and the bad because we'll create something like social media or Facebook and we'll be like, oh, this is amazing. We can connect everybody. But then what we fail to do a lot of the times is think, okay, if everybody is connected and we have all of their information, what could somebody with bad intentions do? I don't want to scare anyone because by and large, the internet is good, in my opinion. I'm always like flabbergasted. I remember when I turned 16, 17, and I learned how to drive. I was like, thank God there's GPS. And there's like, like, I can just map around with my iPhone. Because I never (laughs) want to have to look at a map again. We've never known being lost, you know, but do you remember as a child, just like going on a family trip and just you're just lost for hours of your vacation? Yes, like, literally. You'd like stop at the gas station yeah. and ask them for help. 
oh, crazy, right? And it's by and large a really good thing. But what I just say is like, try to be more open and be aware that these are the things that you should start considering. Who built this? What motivations might they have? And, you know, I think really the question that you asked Michelle earlier is such a good one. It's like, if I were to get hacked, you know, would I be, how did you say it? It's like, like, would I be okay with this getting yes, hacked? Yes, yeah, or? like, we, you know, like, how annoying would it be if this got hacked, you know, and then protect. <laughs> oh, how much would this suck? Yes, yeah, how much how would this much suck would if I got hacked? Oh, so good. I really love that. Yeah, I mean, I think we've learned a lot of good things here. I know I have, and I have, I would say, a lot of takeaways from this. So one thing is with phishing, before even clicking the link, if you have any doubts, ask another person, or you can even call that company security, obviously by accessing mm-hmm. it through another browser. And then always be hesitant to put any of your information that's requested. If you have any doubt, you know, double check that. The next thing that you taught us was updating software. This one honestly was completely new to me as a security tactic. (laughs) I thought that was just something you do to make things cooler and faster. And so that's, I think, a big one that I'm definitely going to implement. Yeah. And I think, you know, along the lines of that, too, Tammy, you mentioned a lot of people don't like to update their software because they're worried it's going to slow down their phone, their computer. I have this fear as well. And I think, unfortunately, one of the hard truths that exists is as the software does get newer and is able to do new things that it's meant to do for the iPhone 13, not my iPhone 8 or my dad's iPhone 6. Unfortunately, it will slow down your phone. And that's where you really do need to think about like, hey, I mean, I, you know, we definitely don't preach that everyone should be getting the latest and greatest new thing. But there is a certain point where you have to at least know that that's a trade off. Like if you're not updating your phone, you are going to be at a greater security risk. And so that's something to think about. That's the trade off that you will be making. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then to automate that as well, automate the upgrade systems. Yeah. And one of the biggest takeaways for me from this episode is get a password manager. Or use different passwords. Or use different passwords, but truthfully, it sounds like getting a password manager is probably the most functional way to do that. Absolutely. And also, you know, ensure that even simple things like your phone passcode, you think it's simple, but that shouldn't be your birthday because that has access to your bank accounts, your social media, like literally everything that is you is on your phone as well. So that should definitely not be your birthday passcode. Should as it be well. five 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 five? One 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 one. No, I mean I think you summarized it perfectly. And I have to say, I cannot stress the stop reusing your passwords one enough. I mean, if there's one thing you should do is stop reusing passwords and put 2FA on the most important accounts. And you'll go on, you'll go a long way protecting yourself from the most biggest issues. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, that's a good point. The multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication, that's, yeah, another big takeaway from this episode as well. Yep. It might be a little bit of a hassle, but what's more of a hassle is getting your account hacked. Yes, absolutely. You know, ask yourself Michelle's question. <laughs> yeah, how much would it suck? If, yeah. <laughs> the title of this episode, how much would it suck if this got hacked? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's like the best way to think of things. There's some things where I'm like, whatever. Right. If this, I find one password here and it gets hacked, like my credit card company will be able to solve these issues. And then other times I'll hear about a breach and I'm like, okay, um, you have my social security number. Mm-hmm. You have my, you know, you're connected to all of my accounts. And so that's just a good, a good rule of thumb, I think, when it comes in general to keeping yourself secure online and thinking about the trade-offs between convenience against keeping yourself secure. Yep, absolutely. Nikhil, is there any other final 
things that you think people should be cognizant of or anything we didn't ask you about that you think would be helpful for people to know? I always say that this is more of just a plug because the cybersecurity space is always growing and there's always like new things and like fun things that are happening. I mean, if you're interested in learning more, like there's really amazing YouTube videos around like personal security. There's lots of training. There's now like master programs uh, where you can get training and like start to enter this field as like a cybersecurity work. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great community. It's a lot of fun. So I would plug that if this is an area or this topic seems interesting, it's a cool, pretty cool spot to be in. It does seem like a fun community. I mean, pre-pandemic, you were always going to like those conferences and when you see people are excited about it or thinking about it or trying to solve these big problems that are only going to be bigger and harder to solve in the future, it really just gets your brain going. And so I think if anybody is interested, I definitely second that. I mean, it's a massive space and they could definitely use more talent. Totally. Like it touches yes. everyone. Right? If you want to have broad impact, everyone has an email address and everyone uses applications and services online. And yeah, I mean, it, it's cool to be a part of that, I would say. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. This was such a helpful, enlightening conversation. I think it'll be really informative for a lot of people. Definitely it was for me and Sammy. Sure and thing. so yeah. thank you so much. Totally. And then if you listen to this and you have more questions about cybersecurity, also feel free to send it to Sammy and I, status post adulting on Instagram, status post adulting at gmail.com. And we can always do another deep dive if this is a topic that's of interest to people. Exactly. And most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo.